really sorry it's so cold in church this morning. Um, I don't, don't know why. I've checked all the heaters and they're turned up as high as they can go. Um, and it's only been on the same amount of time as it normally is, but it's really cold. So I'm sorry if you do feel the need, um, with the appropriate permission, to cuddle up to the person next to you, then please feel free to do so. Or if you want to um, just sort of go and stand by the heater for a few minutes during the sermon, I won't take it personally. It is cold. I'm really sorry about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken through it down the centuries. We pray, Lord, as we gather around it now for a few minutes, you would speak to us afresh. And we ask this in the name of the word made flesh, Jesus. Amen. Later on this afternoon, we will hear the full story of uh, the birth of Jesus told in our, our carol service and we will uh, get all the different uh, details of it and we will enjoy that very much. This morning we are given as it were a short little summary of the birth of Jesus and we're given it from Matthew's Gospel and um, uh, the, the scholars uh, tell us that um, uh, in Luke's gospel, when we hear about um, the shepherds and the angels and all the, the lovely details that Luke gives us, we may be hearing the memories of Mary. Uh, it's almost as if Mary is whispering into Luke's ear and he's writing it down. But for Matthew, uh, as uh, we uh, get the story, we get it uh, much more from Joseph's perspective. And it's almost as if uh, Joseph is um, uh, whispering to, to Matthew and, and Matthew is writing it down. So we get this little summary of the birth of Jesus and we, 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 get it, we seem to get it particularly from Joseph's perspective. Don't get the visit of uh, Gabriel to Mary uh, in, in Matthew's Gospel. Instead, we get the voice of the angel to Joseph in a dream to reassure him that all is well, that the, uh, the potential uh, scandal of, uh, of uh, Mary's uh, being with child uh, is not something that he needs to worry about. This is not outside the purposes of God. But this is indeed totally uh, within and central to this mighty act of God. And his role is to bring her, to protect her, and uh, to do two other really wonderful things. Firstly, uh, he, Joseph is of the house of David. So as Jesus comes literally into his house, uh, he, his sort of royal lineage is made clear that Joseph is of the line of David, so Jesus will be of the line of David. And the other thing that Joseph is given the honor and the privilege of doing is of naming Jesus. He is given the honor of naming Jesus. So even though uh, Joseph sometimes uh, might appear to be a little bit of a, a minor character in the story, he actually gets to do three really, really important jobs. He gets to protect Mary from what could have been some fairly hostile stuff around him. He gets to give uh, Jesus the royal line of David, and he gets to be the one who holds him and answers that question, what is his name? As well as the name Jesus, of course, Jesus has titles. 
he is born with titles. Our reading began, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And in the middle of this, we get a fulfillment of a prophecy. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. For Christians, this is one of the most precious titles of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a beautiful truth that as we face the challenges and struggles, the joys and the disappointments of life, that we do so with him beside us. In this first chapter in Matthew's Gospel, we are given this promise, the promise of Emmanuel. In the very last chapter of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew sends the disciple, uh, Jesus sends the disciples out to, to, to proclaim uh, this uh, truths that he has come to tell them, to, to, to bring people uh, to faith in him. And what does he promise them? I will be with you. I will be with you. So it's almost like a, a frame around Matthew's gospel, the promise of Emmanuel. And then as the disciples are sent out, the promise of Emmanuel, he will be with them. And it is a truth that Christians cherish, that he is with us in the wonderful, joyful, glorious moments and in the heartbreak and the problems, that he is there come what may. It is a deep and beautiful experience, but it's also a deep and beautiful theological truth because at this time of year we remember this awesome thing, this awesome moment when we have the audacity to say that God has come, that the word has become flesh, that there is a moment of incarnation, that in the birth of Jesus we get the moment when finally all our guesses about God, all our, our gropings towards truth are answered. And here is God, fully human and yet fully divine. Utterly different and yet fully one of us what the scholars would say, the transcendent God becomes close, becomes touchable. God immerses himself in our world as one of us and does so in the vulnerability of a human birth. 
And we know as the story unfolds that this child grows to become a man who is immersed utterly, not just in the beauty of life, but in the mess, the brutality, and even the horror of the world that he experienced. This is at the heart of the Christian faith. This is the truth of the incarnation. This is love. This evening, this afternoon, when we have our carol service, I hope we'll begin by hearing this really simple poem. And it's a poem that, that I think says this. It says, some people think that Christmas time is gifts and grub and booze. But the best thing is that Jesus came, God's Son in human shoes. This is the heart of our faith. He is with us. He is not immune from the things that we experience. He has shared in them, shared in the, the joys and the glories, but shared also in the pain and the injustice and the violence of the world. And that doesn't take the injustice and the pain and the violence away, but it does mean that God understands, that God appreciates, that God experiences and that somehow, at the moment of Jesus' death, when he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That there, God somehow understands and experiences what it means to be alone, to suffer, and ultimately to die. Why am I dwelling on this, especially at this joyful time? This is the beauty of the word Emmanuel. God with us. So for those of us who know little, and I count myself amongst those, those of us who know little of the suffering of the world, and say very humbly to those who have experienced much of the suffering of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. This is the love of God poured out for us, available to all of us as we look to him, as we experience him, as we know his presence. But this love, this love poured out for us and this love expressed in Emmanuel is also strangely costly to those around it. We had to think about Mary and Joseph but again, as the story unfolds, we will soon see that Emmanuel, this love poured out, is also costly for others. 
for John the Baptist. Ultimately executed. For the first disciples called from what they knew was comfortable and familiar into a life of adventure, yes, but also a life that was turned upside down. For the women who went to the cross, who rather confusingly all seemed to be called Mary, Mary his mother, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There they stand, seeing Emmanuel, but their own hearts breaking. For Stephen and James, the first martyrs of the church, for Saul, who becomes Paul, for John, who writes the book of Revelation and gets thrown into exile on the island of Patmos. These are people who have all experienced Emmanuel, the love poured out for them. And as they have stepped into that story, this love has become costly for them as well. You see, to be part of the story of Emmanuel is to run the risk of being at best misunderstood and at worst targeted and even punished. Why is that? Why is this love poured out for us so easily confused, so easily misunderstood? And why are those who align themselves with this love so often misunderstood and in plenty of countries in the world targeted, punished and persecuted? Why does love have this effect? I think it does because love is disturbing, isn't it? Love challenges. Love quietly insists that there is a better way. A way where the weak are honoured, the hungry fed, the people on the edge brought into the centre, those who have been subject to prejudice and discrimination brought into the middle and made the most important people. The loveless are loved, the sinners are forgiven, and the whole structure of society is turned on its head. Because these are the people for whom and to whom this love is poured out to those who know they need it. In Luke's Gospel, Mary sings a song. It's a beautiful song. We haven't got time to look at it in detail now. But it talks about the proud being scattered about the hungry fed and the rich sent away empty. Do you know what? When the British ruled in India, they would not let it be sung in churches. Can you believe that? When the British ruled in India, they would not let it be sung in churches because it was too dangerous. Apparently, according to the internet, I think is right, in the 1980s in Guatemala, the government banned it. This is Emmanuel. 
this is the love of God poured out that we get to touch and taste and experience and it brings us into this vivid experience but then we get the chance to share it and as we do we get the chance to share this message which turns things upside down and as we do we put ourselves into a place where we can be misunderstood targeted, punished, persecuted. And perhaps this is the real challenge, the real message of Emmanuel. He is with us. Thank God. How could we cope if he weren't? He is with us. But because he is with us, he calls us to extend his love to the world. A love which disturbs and challenges. A love which says there is a better way. A love which says in this experience, the weak are honored, the hungry fed. And if you are powerful, watch out because he will turn all this upside down. This is Emmanuel. Yes, he is with us. He is with us. He is with us to disturb us. He is with us to reassure us. He is with us to challenge us. He is with us to take this incredible message out into a world that has never needed it more. He is with us. May God grant that we know that's true. And through the way that we live, other people know it's true as well.